Welcome to the Shannon Plan. My name is Kyle Posey. I am not joined by Akash, who is in Mexico, but not Mexico City this week. I am joined by Rob Stats Guerrera. You all are familiar with Rob. Rob, how's it going, man? I'm good, KP. Thanks for letting me hop in. Yeah, of course. So we're going to talk about the game last week. The 49ers are on a four-game winning streak. This team can look so Jekyll and Hyde. We will go from one half where it looks like the 49ers, like, what are they doing on offense? The very next half, best offense in the league, baby. (laughs) It's fun to watch. It's entertaining. They keep us on their toes. So four-game winning streak. Before we talk about, you know, the Saints, the Dolphins, and everything else, I want to talk about the expectations of this team. So when any NFL team wins four games in a row, that is really tough to do. It's tough to have a two-game winning streak. So to double that, especially in the middle of the season, as you just got Christian McCaffrey acclimated into the offense, as you are battling multiple injuries because every team is doing that, but it feels like the 49ers are always going through the battle of attrition. Are our expectations... Too high? Too low? Just right? Are we taking this four-game winning streak for granted? Because they're fresh on a four-game winning streak, but all I can think of is how difficult the next three and maybe four opponents will be. So what do you think about all that? I think that there is just a gap between what we expect the 49ers team to be and what they are. We expect them, when you look at the talent and the play caller and D'Amico Ryans and all of that, we just expect them to be kind of like the Chiefs, right? A consistent performer every single week. But that's just not who they are. And any given week, they can lose to anybody, as we have seen with losses to Chicago and Denver and Atlanta. They just, they are not as consistent as those other people. And so... When they are winning like this, four-game winning streak, we're like, yeah, see, this is the team we think they are. But they're going to drop at least one more game before the end of the year. And then we're going to do the whole thing all over again. Are they really that good? Why aren't they more? Like, this is just who they are. They're capable of beating anybody, and they're capable of losing to anybody. I think that's a great point. And you generally, you're looking at the high end of things, right? You want to be optimistic. You see... The team go out, drop 38 points against a division team in the Cardinals, and you're like, whoa, Like they can do that against anybody probably. And then the next week, they go out against the Saints, who, by the way, are a very good team. I know that they've been banged up and their record might not show it, but I think that, I mean, we talked about it beforehand. My dark horse before the season was for the Saints to make the Super Bowl because of their defense, and we kind of saw that when they were healthy this past week. But 13 points – That is going to leave a lot to be desired, no matter how you slice it. And to be fair, um, he used to work for NFL Network, Greg Cassell. I'm sure everybody's familiar with him. He put out a piece and he was talking about when he goes around and is talking to other coaches around the league, what, what coach, what defense, what type of scheme gives you the most fits. And he said every coach said Dennis Allen, obviously the head coach for New Orleans. And I thought that this past Sunday, that was a good test for the offense just because New Orleans will throw a lot at you. I was charting just the different amount of rushers that they had. Sometimes they brought three, sometimes they brought five, and obviously they brought four most of the time, but they would change up coverages that they were giving Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shannon and the offense a bunch of different looks, which is why I thought it was a great litmus test for what the 49ers will see come playoff time. Sure enough, looking at how other teams have stacked up against the Saints, just go back the week before. 
the Rams struggled mightily compared to how the 49ers did against the Saints. So if anything, I would say that they came out looking better than um, most other teams might. But still, 13 points, that is quote-unquote not okay in this in today's NFL. And I, I did a breakdown on this on YouTube. They, they still leave a lot of meat on the bone, whether it's the play calls, whether it's the quarterback, whether it's the blocking, whether it's dropping the ball, you name it. Like they're – there are going to be, let's say there are 10 series, two to three of those are just going to be head scratchers. And I know that they're not going to be perfect every time, speaking of the 49ers offense, but do you think that that's going to come back to bite them come playoff time? And maybe not even playoff time. They have a high octane offense this coming week where they're going to have to match points the following week, Tom Brady. Um, what, do, what do you think about that? Do you worry about the offense or again that goes back to our expectations are we just expecting them to score unfairly every possession no i do worry about the offense because look when you're playing the cardinals there's going to be a play where christian mccaffrey gets open on a wheel route and the quarterback misses him but you know what there's going to be four or five more plays where there's a coverage bust or a guy gets open so where if the 49ers hit just one of those five plays or two of those five plays they're going to be fine but the problem is when you go against the Saints or, or a quality defense, there might be one or two of those plays a game, and you have to hit them if you're going to score. And so I do worry about them, and I do think it's fair to say that this offense has things that make you worry about it because both things can't be true, Kyle. It can't be Kyle Shanahan is an elite play caller, and the 49ers have elite talent on offense because if both of those things are true they should score way more than they do and they're not scoring more so one of those things has to not be true right yeah 100 percent. that's where i just go back to the dichotomy of this offense where if you look at how the offense looked as they're driving the two-minute drill before the half like jimmy's hitting juan jennings jimmy's hitting juan jennings jimmy's hitting juan jennings is how that felt like and they could get whatever they wanted to which is why a lot of times I'm clamoring for use more pace, use more tempo because they have so many weapons and it's tough to for the defense to adjust on the fly. You know, you're going to get this basic type of call. And then there are other times where, especially when they get on a lead, Kyle Shannon seems so content with sitting on, you know, seven, 10, 13 point lead. And you're you're almost begging the other team, the opponent to get back into the game. So it's it's a fine line. But we see the explosive plays. We see this team, again, on, and that's two-minute drill. I know uh, Kittle was called for a holding play, but Elijah Mitchell burst for 32 yards, and that was a touchdown. Like, they're capable of these things, and those positive plays happen a lot of times um, when they're playing hurry-up. So I, I do worry, and some of that probably comes back to just the offensive line and the quarterback and, I guess, how they're linked together. But man, the other side of the ball, they are really freaking good. So we all, all everybody does is talk about the 49ers offense, no matter what, because for obvious reasons, Debo Samuel, Kittle, uh, Ayuk. But when you look at them on the other side of the ball, whether it's DVA, so if we're talking about DVOA, which adjusts for schedule, and I think that is important, especially at this time of the year, the 49ers offense, they are 10th in offensive DVOA and they are fifth in defensive DVOA. When you go to just success rate, there is no team in the NFL that has a lower success rate than the 49ers. They just give up next to nothing. And I, I feel like 
what we saw this past week against the Saints. The Saints, it seemed like they had every drive inside of uh, 49ers territory, but they just bowed up. Like they they don't give up anything. And whether it was turnovers, whether it was the Talanoa Lufunga hit, even on the very first possession of the game, Fred Warner forces a fumble. They have, they're very well coached. They have a ton of good players. And if, if I'm looking at the 49ers as a whole, all of those concerns, like they fall back because I know what they're capable of on the other side of the ball. And I know that they are so stingy that the, the offense, they don't have to go out and score 24 points because nobody's scoring three touchdowns um, against this defense consistently, I would say. So how much of the defense do you think kind of balances out any of your any of your offensive struggle concerns? I mean, it does help. I'm not going to lie. You know, there was a lot of talk about Kyle Shanahan not giving the team a live rep until Friday last week because of the travel from Mexico and all that stuff. What None of that stuff affects the defense, though, somehow, right? Every single week they bring it, and it's such a relief to be able to count on that game in and game out. It allows this offense to be sort of inconsistent. And I thought Jordan Elliott actually had a really good tweet uh, a few days ago. He said the argument that the Niners offense absolutely has to light up the scoreboard in the postseason is not rooted in any kind of fact whatsoever. Last year, they played three top 10 offenses in the playoffs, and those teams combined to average less than 16 points a game against the 49ers. So even against good offenses, this defense is able to hold it down. So that has to give you hope for the playoffs and also this week, obviously, going against Miami who has just been dicing people up. I think they've scored 30 or more four straight games. And to be fair, the Saints, like they just scored 27 against the Rams. You go back a few games prior, they scored 24, 34, 26, 39, 25. So they've been putting up points on the scoreboard too. So for the 49ers to not only keep them under double digits, to keep them out of the end zone period, like that is an incredible thing to do. And that I feel like if anything, that's what's getting taken for granted. So, um, Again, they have all pros all over the place. Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, two of the very, very best at what they do. So it helps to have good players. And I know this is a sore subject because it feels inevitable. D'Amico Ryans is probably gone. Like He's going to get an interview somewhere. And I don't think he's turning down a second interview this time around. Where he goes and the landing spot might be you know, the reason that he does return to the Bay Area in 2023, because, you know, he's a smart guy. He's not going to take a job where he knows he can't succeed. But look at Robert Sala. He took a job. He took the Jets. And now the Jets are fighting for a playoff spot um, kind of overnight. So, whew. Before we turn to D'Amico thing. Sorry, let me just say one thing on D'Amico. And I'm just going to throw this out there and people might not like it. He's got to be really careful about where he goes next. Because if you're a black head coach, you pretty much only get one shot. Regardless, yeah. And no one cares about the circumstances. Whatever, your quarterback gets injured, they don't care. Your, your draft picks don't work out. You have no draft pick, whatever. No one cares about the circumstances. If you are black and you get a head coaching job, if you don't kick ass right away, you get fired, and then you don't get rehired as a head coach again. So I kind of understand if D'Amico looked at the Vikings last year and was like, you know what, Kirk, I'm not totally – that's not it for me. He just came back to San Francisco. His stock is higher this year than it was last year, I would I would think, right? So he did the right thing, and he's got to be careful where he goes next. Yeah, and it's easy to look at the Vikings' current record 
and say, well, he would have had them here. He would have had them here. But if you look, if you just watch how they've played, they have eight one-score victories this season. That is not sustainable. That is not replicable. There's a great chance the Vikings are terrible next year. <laughs> and there's also a great chance that they don't even make it out of the first round. Like, who knows if they get out of the first round? And the second round, hello, segue. Let's talk about the NFC playoff picture. So as it stands right now, the Philadelphia Eagles, they are the top seed. And they only have one loss. They, they've shown some cracks as of late, but, you know, one one loss is one loss at this point. That That's impressive no matter how you slice it. The number two seed, they are the Vikings. The Vikings, as I just mentioned, they have somehow um, escaped all of those games and come out ahead. So they tend to start fast, and then for whatever reason, they just don't adjust after halftime. Still, they're 9-2. and two. They look like they have the NFC North sewn up. The three seed, your San Francisco 49ers, I think I'm I feel like this is accurate to say that this is the team that nobody wants to play in the NFC. Would you agree with that? I yeah, going off, especially coming off last week. Yeah, nobody wants the Niners. So they're currently the NFC West leaders right now because the Seahawks cannot beat the Raiders, which is a problem. <laughs> um, seven and four NFC West leader 49ers next three games, Dolphins, Bucks, Seahawks, all playoff teams. And then if you want to go one more commanders who are a playoff team, uh, thanks to Taylor Heineke. So as it stands right now, as a three seed, um, finishing up here real quick, for Tampa Bay, who lead the NFC South despite having a below 500 record, the Cowboys, eight and three at, in the five seed, and then the NFC East rounds out the rest of the playoff seeding. So Giants at six, Commanders at seven. Right now, if the playoffs were to start today, the 49ers would get Danny Dimes at home. So Ooh. Yep, it's Brian Dable, who's doing a great job this season. And he deserves all the credit in the world just for the Giants being competitive. And his reward for that in the first round is going to be D'Amico Ryans and uh, that defense, the best defense in the NFL, and then not to mention um, all of the weapons in the world and Kyle Shanahan. So um, sorry, Brian Dable, but welcome to the NFC. And then let's say that it does go chalk. Let's say that Kirk Cousins and the Vikings are able to beat, whether it's the Commanders, the Seahawks, whoever, we go to the second round, divisional round. The Vikings do have a very good home field advantage. I feel like that is worth noting. But other than that, I don't know where the matchup advantages lie. Obviously, they have one of the best, if not the best receiver in the game. But Vikings, 49ers, I would feel comfortable saying the 49ers would beat the Vikings, even if it is in Minnesota. Um, they're not going to have to worry about any weather. So if anything, that plays into the hand of the 49ers and their speed. But their path to the NFC championship game means you don't have to see Tom Brady. You don't have to see um, the, the Eagle, the number one seed, the Eagles, because those two are going to go head to head. And you don't have to run into Dallas, who I know has plenty of faults, but they are still uber talented. They have a ton of good players as well. So knowing that your chance of going to the Super Bowl you only have to face one of those three teams. I, if I told you that before the season, like you had to be headed, like you would have probably thought I was lying. What do you, what do you think <laughs> about the 49ers current path right now, or just the NFC playoff picture in general? I didn't really start putting it together until this week. Once they beat the saints, I sort of looked at it. I was like, all right, we're the three seed. What would the path be? And you're telling me the path is going to be the giants, the Vikings, 
And then the NFC Championship game? Like, yeah, sign me up for that. I don't care if they have to play in Minnesota. Forget that. Great, let's play in Minnesota. Give them an extra guy on the damn field. The Niners are going <laughs> to kick the tar out of the Vikings. As long as Kirk Cousins doesn't suddenly get more bold, more mobile than he has been, like, I am not afraid of Minnesota. So if you told me at the beginning of the year you're in the NFC Championship game against Dallas or Philly or Tampa, like, yep, I'll take it. Yeah, I think the kicker here, too, for the 49ers, if Philly goes down in the divisional round, that means the 49ers, assuming that they do take care of Minnesota and get to the NFC Championship game, that game is at Levi Stadium. And that is a huge advantage, whether that is against uh, Tampa Bay, whether who is not a good road team, uh, whether that is against, um, I think Tampa Bay just lost on the road to Jacoby Brissett, if I'm not mistaken, this past week. So yep. there's, there's that. Um, Dallas can't travel. And then you would imagine Philly just wouldn't be the same on the, or sorry, not Philly, but those two teams we're talking about. Dallas and Tampa yeah. on the road, just two completely different teams. And the 49ers are a wagon when they're at home. So, yeah, that should get you excited, if anything. But got to take care of business, right? You can't let your foot off the gas pedal. You cannot fall asleep on the, at the wheel. But they're, the way that they practice, the way that, sorry, the way that they've been playing these past few games, you would think that they see the light at the end of the tunnel. You would see that they see the reward coming soon. So let's talk about this game coming up this week. So. Miami Dolphins, Mike McDaniel, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, um, River Craycraft, baby, uh, <laughs> Trent Sherfield. I, I feel like I could name half the Dolphins roster. Of course, Wes Welker, and they have a couple other coaches, uh, John Embry, the tight ends coach. Uh, this is 49ers East, and the Dolphins are very good, I think, anyway. If you are, again, if you're just looking at the DVOAs, Team DVOA, the 49ers are seven, Team DVOA. The Miami Dolphins are eighth. So this is a very close matchup. The Dolphins are second on offense, 17th on defense. So there's a there's a bit of a difference there. But their offense is really freaking good, man. Um, Tua is – it feels like we're talking about the same team because if you look at Tua's numbers, if you look at Jimmy's numbers, they're both in the top three, top four, top five, and essentially everything. There is a reason for that. That reason is because they are both surrounded by a bunch of good players. So Raheem Mostert, he had some choice words. And then he, he kind of walked him back a little bit. But if I were to ask you who has the better skill players, the Dolphins or the 49ers? So we're talking Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Mike Gusecki, the running backs, Mostert, Mostert Wilson, um, I, I feel like I'm missing somebody important on the Dolphins, but I, those are the key guys. I mean, Hill and Waddle make up a lot of their targets. And then you all know the 49ers weapons. I mean, we mention them every time we talk about the offense, whether it's uh, Debo, Ayuk, uh, Kittle. But do you think the Dolphins have the, the upper hand when it comes to weapons? The Dolphins have the better receivers for sure. Like if you told me we could swap, I would do it. And I love Debo and I love Ayuk, but they're not Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. But the rest of the weapons all go in the 49ers' favor. Kittle is clearly better than Jusicki. I think Christian McCaffrey. I mean, are we, are we counting Elijah Mitchell? I don't know. Either way, I, I still think that the Christian McCaffrey and – I'm a fan of Jordan Mason, man. I think Jordan Mason looked good. I'm actually excited to see Jordan Mason this week. I hope good. Kyle gives him carries. He seems to go out of his way to mention 
Ty Davis price, whenever he talks about, you know, the running backs now that McCaffrey is hurt. And we've seen in the past, he actually has given TDP more carries, but like, like, look at last week, the saints were throwing everything at the Niners at the end of that game to try and stop them from getting a first down. And Jordan Mason's picking up five yards of carry, which nobody did for the 49ers all day long. So I kind of want to see him this week. Yeah, that was really impressive, honestly, the way that they closed that game out. The Saints loaded the box. Like, they went out of their way to stop the run because they knew that was their last chance to get the ball back, and they couldn't. And it was really all Mason. The, the line did a good job of just getting a hat on the hat and making sure that nobody was in the backfield. But Mason ran through it an arm tackle of a defensive lineman and picked up four yards when, as we saw earlier in the game, whether it was Mitchell, whether it was McCaffrey, that was a one-yard, no-yard gain. He had a couple of carries that went for five yards, six yards, and he's just falling forward. Like he looks like the bruiser type that you put in at the end of the game that the 49ers, I don't think that they've had on this roster, at least under Kyle Shanahan's watch anyway. So he, against the Dolphins, like especially against the Dolphins, a team that is not very good at just defensively in general, but specifically stopping the run. This is a good opportunity to sit on the ball. Um, I think that they're going to run a lot. I think they're going to do what they can to keep Miami's offense off the field. And by having success on the ground, uh, Jordan Mason should – I feel like this – I don't want to say it's going to be his breakout game because that just feels too um, like too much hyperbole going on there. But if he gets 10 carries, it's hard to imagine uh, that he's not pretty successful in that. So I, I am fascinated to see how much they use Christian McCaffrey, who, by the way, day-to-day -day with knee orientation. So – they're not going to really rely on him too much. You would think if they do, it would more than likely be third down back in the passing game. Whereas uh, no Elijah Mitchell. So he's out six to eight weeks. He has an MCL sprain. Uh, it's that's a tough one right there, man. That guy, you just can't seem to stay healthy. He looked really good too. When he was back, I mentioned that long run he had, he just looked like a more comfortable player, a person that knew what he was doing, but looks like his timetable is maybe the wild card week, maybe the divisional round depends how, his body heals. So you're, we're talking about Mason getting opportunities. They don't really have much of a choice to give him the ball um, because everybody else is banged up. TDP, like he's been a healthy scratch over Mason these past few weeks. So yeah, I, I think it is. I think it is Mason. But uh, going back to just the matchup between the 49ers and the Dolphins in general, we, we do have to talk about their offense and their weapons. And you said you would you would take Tyreek Waddle. And I think most people would just because they are like essentially track stars. Um, do you feel like this is the biggest threat the 49ers defense will see all season? Um, from a wide uh, wide receiver perspective, yes. I still put the Chiefs as the bigger threat just because Mahomes is Forgot unreal. But the thing that I'm worried about, I'm worried about the speed of those receivers against the 49ers, specifically picking on my my crush this season, Talanoa Hufanga, because the, the knock on Hufanga is he's slow. What did he run, like a 4'6 or something like that? Well, good luck, because you know Mike McDaniel, you, you and Akash do the, the feature on the show called Who's the Mark? The mark for the Niners that Mike McDaniel is circling is Talanoa Hufanga being like, this guy can't stay with you, and I think that's where they're going to target. It's going to be tough for both Hufunga and for Lenore because I feel like Mike McDaniel has both of those guys. I am fascinated to see what D'Amico does to counter that because you can't double one guy. 
because all you're doing is leaving another guy on an island. And, and McDaniel, just like Shanahan, he moves both of Waddle and Tyreek around in the formation so much that it's hard to get a clue in um, on those guys. And to be fair, they run the ball very well too. So this this is going to be the first time that I think, and well, I mentioned this being the biggest threat. When I just watching the Chiefs game, Mahomes made most of those plays just kind of off schedule or just being Mahomes, being a superhuman. Whereas I think the Dolphins, like they do everything. One, two, three, find Tyreek. One, two, three, find Waddle. So they they play in structure. So the 49ers are going to have to – they're just going to have their hands full. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I, I want to watch them a little more to, to get in the, to get a better idea. But I'm their speed is unlike any, anything that they've seen. So where the Chiefs had, like Juju, Sky Moore, they had some younger guys who you wouldn't really consider burners. And, and we're talking about now – literally the fastest players in the NFL. And I don't know if Mostert's going to play. I know he's banged up last week, but I have a hard time believing he'll sit this one out, right? I mean, is Jeff Wilson's going to be mad. Uh, I know he requested a trade, but still, like he he lost his spot, uh, so to say. Uh, what do you think here? Do you think the, the Dolphins, because outside of the Chiefs, like who's really, really given this, this defense fit? So, is there you, – you see the Dolphins score more than 23. Mm, no, I think that's right about right about where it is. I mean, the over-under for the game is 46. So, yeah, like Vegas doesn't think it's going to be a super high-scoring game. And, I, like, I know that the Dolphins are good, and I get all that, but I think the Dolphins are a little overconfident. Like, my real I'm not really worried about Jeff Wilson Jr. I don't care how pissed off he is, okay? He's Jeff Wilson Jr. The reason he lost his spot is because he's mid, all right? Ah. He's just he's just a dude. Like, let's be honest. You lost your spot because you are replaceable, okay? That's beyond it. Raheem Mostert, great. If he can play a whole game, he could be a significant weapon. But you know what? He also very well could go out after one carry, which we have seen, all right? I think for the 49ers, if they're going to win this game, Nick Bosa has to have the best game of his year of the year. I think the opportunity is there. The Dolphins line is banged up. If Bosa can just affect it to the point, he doesn't have to get four sacks, but if he just can affect it to the point where the Dolphins don't have time to set up for some of those deeper throws, they have to throw the ball quick and the Niners offense can swarm and tackle. You're going to make life more difficult for Miami. And I think if you combine that with the Niners trying to sit on the ball a little bit and hopefully having success running, I think that will keep the score down a little bit. I think there is a, a very clear path to victory for the 49ers, who, by the way, are four-point favorites, up from three-point favorites. Yeah, so I think that's a great point. And the real advantage, just like every other game that they play in, comes in the trenches. So Teron Armstead, like he's showing signs of recovery, but he's not going to play this week, I don't imagine. And – they also might not have their other tackle, Austin Jackson. So if they're down two tackles on offense, like the 49ers, they already had the advantage on the defensive line. But I think this is a step up in class when it comes to competition. I think the line reflects that. So the Dolphins, they are on a five-game winning streak, I want to say. Listen to the opponents that they've just played. They played the Houston Texans just now. They got up early, and they just kind of the Dolphins just kind of sat on the lead there. So they beat the Texans 30-15. The week prior, they beat the Browns 39-17. They beat the Bears 35-32. They beat the – listen how close these scores are. They beat the Lions 31-27. They beat the Steelers 16-10. to 
nobody would consider any of those five that I just read off as legitimate playoff contenders or, or even good teams. So the step up in class from all of those teams I just reeled off to the 49ers is probably unlike any other step up in class we'll see uh, for a team off a winning streak. Before that, the Dolphins scored 16 against the Vikings. They scored 17 against the Jets. They scored 15 against the Bengals. So three playoff teams – and we kind of got a real hint on who that team is when they do play a team that just has their shit together for lack of better words, right? They're playing <laughs> a bunch of teams who are essentially playing for draft positions at this point. So I, th- I do think the advantage with the, the 49ers have the advantage in the trenches. Um, they Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips, they are good, but I imagine Kyle Shannon will scheme around that. And then, I mean, the pass rush, they're going to get after Tua. And we'll see how Tua reacts when he is not playing seven on seven and, you know, it's just under a little bit of pressure. So it'll be a fun game. I'm fascinated to watch it. I, I, I do think the 49ers win just for all of the reasons that I just mentioned, but I, there, there's going to be big plays. Like there, the dolphins are going to hit some plays. I know Mike McDaniel knows his defense like the back of his hand. So he knows where the weak spots are, not only from a personnel standpoint, but where he can attack D'Amico Ryan's because he's practiced against it for what, how many years? So I I think that they do come close to 23, but I just don't see the Dolphins slowing the 49ers down at all. I think uh, Kyle Shannon will, especially, I think, after scoring 13 last week, he's going to come out ready. And I think there's a good chance that the 49ers reach 30 here. I, I'm not high on the Dolphins' defense at all. And I think that, um, seeing this 49ers offense compared to the teams that I just rattled off will be the real uh, step up in class. So, um Score prediction, let's call it 30 to 21. I think this score is over. And 49ers win. What do you got, Rob? I'm going to go with 23-20 49ers. I'm still not totally sold on the offense. Whether Whoever you want to blame, whether it's Shanahan, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, whether it's all, both, whoever, they don't score as much as they should even against bad teams. So I don't think the Niners are going to get up to 30, um, but I don't think the Dolphins are going to be able to chuck it all over the yard. They'll have big plays, like you said. They'll probably come out the first possession, go right down the field and score a touchdown, and everybody's going to say, oh, no, here come the Dolphins, and everyone's going to be pissed at D'Amico Ryans. And then <laughs> Fire D'Amico! Right. They will adjust. Uh, so I'll go 23-20 49ers. I like it. I like it. I like it. All right, that'll do it for us. Thank you, as always, for listening. We will be back next week. Um, uh, this, again, I think this is going to be one of the, the more exciting games to watch um, that we get this regular season. So please rate, subscribe, review, leave us five stars wherever it is you get your podcast. You can follow me on Twitter, KP underscore show. You can follow Rob at Stats on Fire. As always, go Niners.